0: 3, three, <laughs> <two>,
1: three <laughs> Ha ha! Dance, Gavin, dance, baby. You are now listening to, you are now listening to, you are now listening to, Swan Casting, the official, unofficial podcast for swan Posting
2: where you can get down with Brown Town.
0: Get stuck because you're the clown now. And check your ballot to vote this dick right into.
2: Where we can verse the good, the bad, the ugly of all things DGD.
0: So don't be tardy for my leaky Barbie tea party pee in the park. Cause you won't want to miss this. So
2: put it in my fist, and squish, and twist with the wrist, and come with us as we give you nothing but... Hot
0: takes, musical tastes, and unfiltered DGG opinionated race. Where feelings
1: get hurt, but it's all good, because it's all for the love of Dance Gavin Day. So turn up
2: your headphones as we dive into...
0: Swan Casting. Welcome to episode four of Swan Casting. We have Matt over in North Jersey... Hey. We have Rob somewhere in Pennsylvania. What up? And I'm Shane, your host for episode four. All right, so last time we had a nice hour-long interview with Zach Garen, which I thought was pretty cool. He gave us a whole hour of his time, gave us some really detailed answers. Do you guys have any uh, big takeaways from that? Anything you learned? Anything you particularly liked or your overall opinion?
2: I learned that Zach is super chill. That he is. That's what I learned. He is... He is super chill, and he gives really good, long, detailed answers, uh, which makes our job easy and makes things interesting for the listeners.
0: Robert?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, just interesting to hear him speak because uh, I said this before, it's funny when... in most band situations you have the the face of the band who's like the vocalist who says everything needs to be said for the band right and then the other members like they don't really have a voice all that often unless there's like a situation where they're like interviewed or something but most of the time it's always like the vocalist and to hear obviously they're an instrumental band to be to begin with to hear you know zach's voice on his journey through his music career is really interesting for me because i'm not Uh, obviously overly familiar with everything that he's done. Obviously I know Strawberry Girls a little bit and Dance Gavin Dance, obviously, but him going in depth on everything that he's done and specific moments in time where he was like, we were on this tour, we were doing this and this happened and I wrote this riff for this song. And just hearing that insight, it makes knowing the music that he's created more interesting because it has more, more value, more, more weight to it than just like a song.
0: Yeah, usually at the shows, you know, after a song, he'll just give a little, thank you. And that, that's all you get to hear. Of his exactly. Right. So I pulled out a few of my favorite things from the interview. I liked how I liked his, uh, his story of how when he started, they just kind of like threw him on. Like, all right, the other guy quit mid-tour. So now you're uh, joining our headline.
1: I don't know if it was like thrown though, because like Sean was basically teaching him how to play the songs beforehand before he even actually officially left the band so I think that he
0: already kind of knew yeah it was just sooner than he intended I thought it was it's funny that he started out as the merch guy like can all merch guys just secretly shred is that a general truth wasn't he the tech too like he didn't say that I could have sworn he did
2: he didn't say that he, he definitely said he was uh, doing the merch stuff I mean, I guess if you're hanging out with the band all the time, then you could get some good pointers. So even if you can't shred, if you get to be a merch guy for a band who can, you're hanging out with them. Over the course of the tour, You could probably become a shred guy.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're on tour with DGD, you're like, how can I shred like this?
2: Not saying that Zack wasn't already able to do that beforehand. Just in general, it's probably uh, probably easy to, you know, get some pointers from the band.
0: My other favorite thing was when he went over songs that, like, weren't originally supposed to be Dance Gavin Dance songs or songs that he was, like, with the Strawberry Girl stuff some of the stuff that wasn't even intended for strawberry girls how don't tell dave and strawberry uh, swisher were just like songs that they wrote and they weren't intentionally like dgd songs or with you know like love trip and faith healer uh were like both rap beats that he turned into these sick little instrumentals which i I personally love love trip that's probably one of my favorite off the new album top three
1: i think it makes sense especially for the happiness record that songs that weren't intentionally supposed to be for dance and dance ended up being because the drop off of sound or the change in sonically in their sound was so apparent on that record so I feel like they could really make anything into a dance Gavin dance song during that time.
0: <laughs> that's that's true.
2: I I also think it just goes to show how passionate they all are about just writing music in general. That they'll write songs and then table them and come back to it and you know bring it as a dance Gavin dance song that it wasn't intended to be or Strawberry Girls or whatever other band they're in if it feels right at the time. They just you know have such a vast collection of songs they've written because they have a passion for it
1: yeah and i think also perspective is interesting too because if the guy who wrote the song was like yeah i don't think this is gonna work for this project and then like four other guys five other guys hear it no we could do this and then they make it happen like it changes what you independently would have done on your own like pushes you to be more creative less rigid i guess
0: yeah. So listening to the interview again, I you know I realized God, I gotta stop saying you know and like just adding more work to my editing plate.
2: You've been listening to to my audio too much with those you knows. I know it's, ke- <laughs> it's catching on. <laughs>
0: oh, I fucking torture myself. Yeah. So while I was listening, there was a few things that really stuck out about um, what Zach was saying. For one thing, you guys know. Even from the, the previous episodes that I'm always talking about how I love the quiet to loud. I realized like the reason why he's my favorite guitarist is because his what I look for in a guitarist is what clicks with him. So maybe I'm biased thinking that he's, you know, one of the best of our generation, but at the same time, who doesn't love a good intro? Who doesn't love a good build up?
1: He also was like he has a different take on songwriting a little bit in the way that he just likes parts. he wants he wants all of his parts to be catchy. Like he's not just, yeah, well the chorus should be catchy, so we'll make the chorus catchy. He's like, no the intro, the verse, the outro, the bridge, the chorus, it all has to be catchy. And when he was playing like some of those riffs from the song separate songs that he showed us, like Zoloft and
0: some of the other ones,
1: those parts specifically that he showed us, some of them, I was like, oh man, I have to listen to that again because I don't think I heard that. You can I definitely tell that.
0: didn't hear the Zoloft one.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't either. That's why I mentioned it.
2: I thought I had recognized it, and when I went back to listen to it again just to verify that I had like, the right part, I'm pretty sure the part that he played just has a lot of heavy effects on it on the actual album version, yeah. which is why it doesn't sound exactly the same. Because the, there's only one moment in the song that kind of sounds, at least for what I saw, that sounded like what he played. It just has a lot of effects on it, like a like a wall or an envelope filter or something. Yeah. I'm not sure what. So it just sounds different on the recording, that's all.
1: To uh, simplify my point, he doesn't overplay for the sake of overplaying and I think that that makes him a solid songwriter and for his his uh, music and ability to play more solid overall and more interesting because it's intentional to be good, not just to like jerk off for five minutes on a song
2: and he he sir his writing he he serves the song with his writing he's not you know shredding just to show off that he can shred he's really writing what fits the song and what is good with the song yeah i think that's what makes it so successful and works so well is you know sometimes with other instrumental music you could listen to it but after a few tracks you just you kind of get bored of it or tired of it and then with strawberry girls you know you almost forget that you're listening to something that's just an instrumental
0: yeah well like he's he said that he likes uh, to write parts that you could almost sing along to and he definitely does a good job
1: that was funny when he uh when he was talking at first or before he played guitar he was like yeah, I'll just play it for you guys because like, I don't want to have to like sing sing these <laughs> guitar parts to you and then you like pull out his guitar. Yeah, I agree. I think that he he's super talented. And also, I don't want to discredit anyone who likes to shred and noodle because I definitely enjoy that a lot. It's just his approach is different than some other people's. And I think that it's effective because it is the way that it is.
0: I think that's an important distinction, like if you listen to Chan for example, I can only listen to a couple of their songs at a time because it's so noodly that eventually I, I just get lost. The cool noodliness just stops hitting as hard because it's, it's always up.
1: That's how I feel about really, really heavy music, where it's like the entire song is a breakdown and I'm like, what do you look forward to? It's, I don't know. There's nothing for me personally to look, look forward to in a really, really heavy song. There's no build up to a heavy part because it's all heavy. So you just, just get desensitized. His, loses its luster, and there's, there's no, like, contrast.
2: That goes back to uh, kind of the loud, quiet, loud formula, or quiet, loud, quiet, I said that back. Quiet, loud, quiet method that the Pixies were really famous for using. That then Nirvana came and kind of stole that whole concept. Because when you have those kind of dynamics in your music, when it's not just one solid level of energy or volume, you, you get... Uh, it creates a more interesting song.
0: Yeah, he was super cool. I can't wait till... I'm really excited for their new album. That was really cool. I wish if we only edited it faster and didn't have episodes in front of it, he told us they were going to record a new album before they actually posted anything anywhere. So we could have been like, you heard it here first, but...
2: I'm excited to hear some weird stuff he promised some weird stuff
0: (laughs) he definitely has it in him all right so I need to get like a little like a drop machine so when I like change I guess I could add them in afterwards but like or I could um, just use all the uh, guitar noises that we make when we're describing songs in case you haven't noticed I edit out 90% of them you know parody catharsis
2: we need uh, we need like the really loud transitions like, uh, like, uh, iCarly transitions. RANDOM DANCING!
0: <laughs> I'm a little too old for iCarly. Maybe Robert knows. I feel like Robert's a Disney Channel kid. I'm an everything kid. Were you more Nick or Disney guys?
1: <sighs> oh, God. It's probably Nickelodeon, so. Well. I don't know. I don't know. Probably Nick, yeah. By, like, a small degree. Cartoon Network, though. Hands down. Overall.
0: Oh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't list that as an option.
1: <laughs> you fool, you asked me the minority questions.
2: It was, yeah, it, it was all about the the uh, cartoon cartoons. Yeah, yeah
0: what is what is your favorite cartoon cartoon, guys?
2: Oh, that's fucked up. I'm gonna say Dexter's
0: Lab. Ooh, good choice. I'm
2: going Courage the Cowardly Dog Show.
0: Oh, shit. I'm going Powderpuff Girls, bro.
2: That's good, too. There's, there's a Powerpuff Girls episode, which is all Beatles puns, and it's amazing. It's probably the best episode of that show ever.
0: But, uh, Mike and Og, which only lasted for like a season. And <laughs> you know jo- what that is. And Johnny Bravo were like, <laughs> I also love those. I think
1: like that's out of your wheelhouse, bro. I think like you were old when that was on okay, TV. We, okay,
2: we are now a, uh, a Cartoon Network podcast, <laughs> but like just cartoon cartoons.
0: <laughs> I'm not too old for, Rob, I'm like, I'm only a couple years older than you. Nah,
1: you're like, you're like 10 years older than me, bro.
0: This is how I treat Sean, and I don't appreciate it, getting it back.
1: (laughs) Rob, how old are you
0: again? I'm 20, bro. (laughs) I think, you are 26? I'm 25, yeah, I'll be 26 in like a week. Oh shit, but I'm not sure if I even made the cut for this one. What do you mean? I wasn't invited to your rager this year.
1: I didn't, I'm not, it's fucking, I'm gonna have a bench birthday, dude, it's quarantine.
0: Zoom birthday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I mean, everyone wants.
1: I would I w- I would like to see you. That'd be nice. But I don't know how Becky feels about that.
0: <laughs> well, you just got back from Texas, so I'm not gonna see you for like at least two weeks.
2: Yeah. Okay, let's go. Okay. Give us a give us a segue into the next segment,
0: Jane. <laughs> yeah, that almost that almost was the drop. <laughs> for the last episode, but Instead, I picked some other weird noises that you made. Yeah, because the last two drops were um, Matt and I. So the first one was basically me. Then the second was Matt. So I figured I'd give you one. And it was between... And and then just you being like, ooh, uh, mm, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How about that segue? Oh, that's right. How about that segue? All right, guys, so we had that great live show. I don't remember what day it was. Sometime in July, 2020. The Apocalypse Show. Yeah, so we all bought tickets to go see that. Rob went to Texas to go hang out with his friend to stream it live. Uh, Matt, where were you when you streamed?
2: I was in my apartment. It was nice. It was comfortable. And where were you, Shane? Where were you when you... uh when you live stream um
0: I was in a hot tub down the shore outside and uh, during the evaporate encore that so we have this like really angry neighbor who whenever we're outside, he comes over and tells us we're being too loud, we're being too disrespectful, and we actually keep it down. It's It was only like the four of us outside, me, my dad, my fiance, and myself. And it's like 9.55. He comes over and starts like yelling. My mom just like gave him a piece of her mind, and finally she decided she had enough. So I was like splitting my attention between evaporate and watching our dickhead neighbor get told by this five-foot lady
1: what'd she say to him
0: she told him if if he didn't like noise to go move in the retirement home across the street from us among other things did he go away quietly Oh With his tail in between his legs, I knew he was done once he raised his voice. She is a terrifying tiny lady. I don't know it was more metal watching my mom yell at these guys or that like <laughs> intro riff of evaporate. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's start with uh Rob, what were your overall impressions of the set? okay just like your general your general grade your general vibe
1: oh, I thought it was really good you could tell that them not touring for well they tour all the time so they're not touring for any amount of time that's like consistent they it's you can hear it in like how they were playing and how they sounded for the vocals they just sounded so refreshed I think on tour there's always that like strain on their voices to some degree where like it just sounds a little bit more rough a little bit more gritty a little bit harder to do certain things at certain moments but i felt like you hear the fatigue yeah the fatigue exactly so i think you could hear them like where they were refreshed and at the same time, it's kind of sad because they were like under a microscope, obviously doing a live stream. Obviously when they play live, they're under a microscope too, but there's so much noise with the crowd and whatever. It's a big deal how they sound live, but I feel like them without a crowd and just being filmed, it's like even worse. Cause it's like, oh man, we really can't fuck this up. <laughs>
0: like, you could tell the pressure was on.
1: Yeah. And you could tell because the energy was so low energy. I think... Maybe Tillian was the only one who was like really getting into it. I, everyone else was kind of like, chilling. Becky Especially, found his
0: dancing to be a little creepy. <laughs> that,
1: that's fine. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, that, that's what I gave it overall, and I think the set itself was um, very versatile. Okay, they played a song from like almost every album, minus Except & Speech and DVM2 and Happiness, they played everything. And Stroke God was a nice surprise. I didn't think that they'd throw that in. That was, that was that was nice to hear again. It's been a while.
0: Matt, now that you're a DGD concert veteran, how do you feel about the, the live performance, especially compared to what we've seen?
2: So here, here are my thoughts on it. I've seen a lot of people complain about the song choices, but one, I love every single one of their songs, so I don't care if it's the same six songs they go been playing live recently you know that doesn't bother me and also taking into account that this was a live stream that was a global live stream there are people that dance Gavin Dance hasn't visited their country this is probably their one opportunity to see dance Gavin dance in a really good high quality live environment so if I were dance Gavin dance I would pick a set like the one that they picked it made sense for the live stream you know, this isn't this wasn't their touring set this wasn't they weren't trying to vary it up because they've been playing the same things night after night. This was put clearly put together as just a one-time set, and I think it did a good job, like Rob said, of encompassing you know a good variety of their music. It definitely hit their like biggest hits, or at least a lot of them. Uh, as far as the energy, I imagine that part of that is I know that it's a give like a lot of times it's a give and take with the crowd, and there was no crowd, there was no audience to feed off of. And also just I imagine it must have been weird just like in an empty room with just you know some film crew and the band it must have been like really awkward to be in there so yeah so I
0: felt the same way as you did about that that a lot of bands vibe off the energy of the crowd and without a crowd you know so here's the thing is that it's funny that we just had this long argument in episode 2 about whether the live shows were better <laughs> now or then, energy-wise and stage presence, and they literally this is probably their worst, the worst I've seen of their stage presence of them just like standing there. Especially like Mess didn't move around much, but he sounded great the whole time. So like I can I can get over him not headbanging because. <laughs> I thought he was crisper than Tillian the whole time.
2: It it must have it must have just felt like just like a practice or like a rehearsal because there was you know no one there there's no one to get the energy off of. It's hard to vibe in that environment.
0: Yeah, and the stakes like we were saying before the stakes are so high. Everyone's listening and there's no crowd noise to cover up any mistakes. I think my personal favorite part about it was I felt like I was plugged into the soundboard like Yeah you really got to hear every single note that everyone hit. I was really digging the fact that a lot of times at the shows you can't really hear the toms as well, but like you could hear the different tones in Matt's toms. You could hear like the little nuances that they've added here and there at the live shows. I wish I could see every show with that sound quality in my ears while I'm like crushing i'm not crushing anyone in the pit i'm just happy slam dancing but
1: get get ready for that in the near future because uh (laughs) i think they're gonna do a couple more of these and concerts aren't coming back anytime soon so you might get exactly what you're asked for
0: yeah i'd be down to have another uh they
1: already they already put a poll out asking the fans what they want afterburner playthrough mothership playthrough fan voted and then headstrong times 12 or something
0: Unfortunately, Um, I uh, threw away my vote and I clicked Headstrong (laughs) times 12.
1: (laughs) I I find it hilarious that they picked Afterburner and Mothership as playthrough albums versus anything else. Like, obviously, Afterburner just came out, so that makes sense. But they were like, we're going to skip over ours and anything else we've ever done, Mothership. (laughs) Like, okay.
0: (laughs) Well, I I feel like Mothership is... Well, ours was garbage. I could see why they wouldn't want to play that. Ours
2: is garbage, okay. <laughs> Here we go. I, I do think that they should play uh, Headstrong at least once, just to show Trapped that they could do it better.
0: I think Mess should sing the whole thing.
2: We all know that they could do it better than Trapped, but I think just to show Trapped that they could do it better than Trapped, they should do it. When Trapped speaks-
1: or I'm sorry, not Trapped. When the singer of Trapped, whatever his name is, speaks on on Who social cares? media- he's i, I feel he's like he's trapped. just like drunk every time he says anything because he just he'll fight anyone on anything and i'm like why why like
0: why because he's headstrong to take on <laughs> <headstrong>. <laughs> I, was say, I, a, I was gonna
2: say i have that on good authority i have that on really good authority <laughs> <laughs> oh you
1: win that's a great point <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. I I actually love this beef with Trap because it's like, who the fuck listens to Trap anymore? I I hope they're putting out good stuff, except it turns out that dude's a real piece of shit. Well, they so just it,
2: they just released a new album and they like in like the first week they only sold like six hundred copies. Six hundred
0: copies, and he's like trying to refute that, like, oh, your numbers are wrong. <laughs> it's like uh, no they're not dude like your mean, album didn't make the charts meanwhile so.
2: meanwhile afterburner is charting again because of the physical release so it's charted <laughs> yeah. twice and they yeah i gotta say they are maximizing
1: on uh digital sales with like bundling like sweatshirts and like sweatpants and shit they have i've never seen so much dance and dance merch in my life until the past like six months
0: yeah their merch has gotten better uh I'd say like Mothership on their their merch has gotten a lot better. Before it was just like the weird goofy like uh, squids and dragons and like <laughs> now now I feel like they have control of their own merch and well, it's, it's a lot they better. They just
1: I think they just base all of their merch off of the album art now and before it wasn't really the case. And yeah, I which s- makes
0: no sense because the album art's amazing and like the fans love it even though it's a little weird and cartoony, but still cool yeah uh just want to let the listeners whoever didn't get to see the show i'll just give them a quick rundown of what the the set list was uh it was prisoner which was the live debut we had "Headhunter," "Lemon rang Thai, god shirk's millionaire one in a million live debut also back-to-back millionaire songs chucky summertime gladness strawberries wake also the live debut uneasy hearts weigh the most the lead was actually sung by andrew wells which is pretty cool uh we own the night inspire the liars and the closer was evaporate so guys what was your what was your favorite song starting with rob
1: i'm gonna have to say inspired liars i just i love that song to the core it's, it's my, in my opinion it's one of their
0: best rob i'm gonna say that's not an opinion it's fact
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's you you were correct <laughs> it's a great song um People can bitch about the the set all they want, I guess. It's because they just want deep cuts, so they want shit that, like, they don't always play. And, like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I,
0: I that's, 100% agree with that statement. Shut the fuck up. It that was a that's, great set.
1: That's my that's my take on it. Like, I feel like they've definitely played shorter sets. A different, like, Warp Tour, where it's been more, like, straight, single. Like, I guess those are all singles, but, you know, less less of the singles you really want to hear and like that's frustrating but when they play 12 you fucking songs like it's hear. hard to be mad you know what i mean yeah um so i'd say inspired liars i enjoyed hearing stroke out again i think i, I kind of missed that song and also i love instant so hearing that and we always hear wheel in the night so that was a given which is a great song too not gonna dismiss that stroke god was refreshing
0: That was my only beef of
1: the whole set list
0: was We Own the Night. I could have used a deeper cut just for that one, but
1: They're not gonna play their biggest song, dude.
0: I was gonna say also that's one of my favorite dance gavin dance songs. I've just seen it like at every tour. Yeah. I don't understand how you could be mad at the set list. I could see people having other beefs such as a fifty minute show. But also that's if you've been to a dance, gavin dance concert cap. That's what they do. John, yeah. John literally
1: said in, in uh, multiple interviews and like, my voice literally caps out at like 50, 55 minutes. When they played Mothership in its entirety, a couple of years ago, they played 14 songs and, or 13 songs and- Oh, by the
0: time they got to Man of the Year. I-
1: no, he sounded great. And still, those, that album, playing all those songs, it just, he had so much vocal time on that record. That's a lot. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked about this before. I understand the limits on well they're actually not playing live every night so I feel like you could tax yourself a little bit more than usual but towards the end of the set so for inspire the liars there's a few times where I heard like Tillian was was actually struggling a little bit but like not it was just like fatigue struggling but there was also he had some really cool moments on inspire the liars where he added some extra vibrato to his voice And then I actually like the intro when he went, instead of going high on, I'll tell you what you want to hear. He went low instead of high, which I thought was cool. And he he definitely added some more stuff, but you could just tell they were tired. But back to our thing where they should have some instrumental jams. Like you could add, just give us like a minute or two on a couple extra songs Hit that hour mark.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because in between, like, okay, it's not a live show. So they're not talking to anyone. So they didn't talk at all so you're like okay this is not that they talk a lot when they play anyways we had nothing it was like straight straight to the point strictly business we're gonna play these songs which is fine but like bro now's the time to like noodle like those in between times when they play like the weird synthesized version of the songs they could have done i don't know something cool in between like an instrumental thing
0: in between songs yeah. I mean, so, so what they do in between their songs with that, like, weird... Actually, they could... Those are actually really sweet. I really those, enjoy those. They are cool. They should extend those and um so incubus does a similar thing in between songs they will play like that interlude and i think they could do that and then play their little interlude and you could add an extra couple minutes to every song and feel like at this point their tickets are no longer like ten dollars you go to a show you're paying 65 dollars yeah you could add a little more sauce
1: you're not getting any more songs you're not getting any more play time it's always gonna be 11 13 yeah. songs some kind of configuration like you're not came the same songs obviously over like six years but you're never gonna get more than what you pay for now
2: the other thing that would be cool if they could do is that a lot of other bands do you could do like a guitar solo a drum solo and a bass solo you know spread them out and use those as times for the rest of the band to take a break
0: yeah give us something gimmicky to entertain (laughs) us for like an extra 30 minutes like it's not that big of a deal oh
1: you know, you know what I've seen too. That's really cool. the The band issues when they're working on new new music. Uh, one year at Warp tour, they opened the set with a new song that no one ever heard before. It wasn't the full thing. It was just the first forty five seconds of the song. But no one knew what it was. They just played it, and they were like, "Oh, that was sick!" And then they like started their set, doing something like that. Because if they're always writing, I'm sure yeah. they have things that are like in the works. Just play like a little snippet of something, and then go on with your set. That would be cool. Yeah,
0: some jams that never made it to an album
2: or that will make the next record. And then later they can add it to an album and then people can be like, "Wow, I missed the the old version of this band." And then everyone who's a fan can be like they've been playing that for years.
0: That happened with Muse. That's with exactly the, like, what I'm referencing. <laughs> yeah, like the Osaka jam and there's another one. That they eventually turned them into songs. I don't think I don't think that paid off because they jammed on them for like a minute or two yeah. during the shows, and the songs were only like a minute or two. I just felt like they lost their rawness.
2: My point like, is, is that fans will always complain.
0: Yeah, we didn't get our, our synchronized dancing. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought they were listening to the pod. I mean, I I tag at DGG the band on Twitter every post.
1: Nah, I, they're trying to make it good, bro. It has to be right. They can't do it on the live stream They have to wait till they tour again
2: Okay, here's what I want I want them to do their cover of That's What I Like with the Synchronized Dancing
1: (laughs) I need I need John Mess to be shot out of a cannon Into the crowd
0: (laughs) On an inflatable pizza
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give him a wireless mic Get him in the cannon And right at the end of a breakdown Or something like just, just Just throw in my two cents in DGD if you're listening you know what to do, you know what the people
0: want, and we are the people we represent them.
2: We represent <laughs> All... everyone who's a dance cabin dance fan I think hey, three guys. is a large enough sample size,
0: yeah, getting back on topic <laughs> matt what was your uh was your favorite live show
2: my I think my favorite was uh Strawberries' Wake, that intro with the sound quality that they had was just it was perfect. it sounded great, and it's a fun song overall. And I'm not sure what they were doing with the layered vocals at the beginning, if those were just a yeah. backing track they were playing, or if it was a vocal <laughs> effect coming from Tillian or a vocal effect coming from, from Andrew, but I thought it was pretty cool, no matter what it was. It sounded yeah, cool. Yeah, it, like it
1: was like a harmony, it was like a, a higher and like a middle range yeah. vocal at the same time. It was cool.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure how they, were, how they were producing it, but it worked. So whatever they were doing, it sounded cool. I really
0: liked it yeah that song was great live you could tell that it was less polished than their other songs like it's not an easy song for them to play or sing just because it's like cute and catchy so i'd like to hear it again in the future because i feel like they almost killed it i don't be that guy like oh they could have done better because that was one of my highlights of the set but i just thought you could tell that it was like difficult and they were like a little tired by the time that hit yeah yeah so actually I'm I'm really excited I get to take the low-hanging fruit here so it was actually my biggest surprise to hear it on the album and it was and they killed it by the album I mean the live show uneasy hearts I know that's easy to be like oh my god they killed it but it's been so long since it used to be a a recurring song and I haven't heard it now in a a couple years just to hear like Andrew sing the leads
2: They, they played it when we saw them live yeah. Last year. Artificial selection tour.
0: Really? You fool!
2: Oh. Fucking sleeping.
0: I blacked out.
1: <laughs> it's cause he hates, <laughs> it's cause he hates R so much, he didn't actually, he wasn't actually
2: there.
0: I know, I zoned out the whole, the whole set. <laughs>
2: Fucking moron. I was like, it's like, why am I even here? I hate this album, tar know they 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 killed it on on that one
0: you could hear matt doing some pretty interesting fills that aren't on the album swans like little solo had like a few extra notes here and there that it's nice when they switch it up because you know you're expecting like to hear something from the album and then you get like a better version and i just thought andrew sounded great and tillian doing the nick parts that was that was my favorite i wasn't expecting it but uh How
2: how would you uh rank it compared to the uh the 10th anniversary version with all three of the lead vocalists on it. <laughs> How can you make that comparison?
0: Oh, I got it. I got the hot take. <laughs> I have a really hot take. Oh, you Jesus. guys could burn me for this. I'm about to get like real I like this mad. one better. I like this one better. It was so. It was so good. It was so polished. Yeah, no. So I really do like that version with all the lead singers. But I feel like three was was too much. It really fucked with the continuity of the song. No. Tillion was the weakest link goodbye. All right, Rob come at me for this (laughs) You (laughs) could I I know what I said was it it felt it felt wrong to say yeah
1: because it was wrong Oh my god, I don't even know where to start with your point Just everything is just fucked about it hearing Kurt do the intro was just it just it felt right It felt like it that's how it was written obviously it's just different and I've never heard him sing the intro before live And then like Johnny coming in and doing the, I think the first verse was really interesting because he added like a different vibe to the song that I had never even thought of. And then Tillian was just great as always. Like, I don't know, I think all four of them or all three of them doing it was just something magical that I don't think can be replicated. And I think because they did that, people have the idea that like they should start super group or they should you know do something and actually when they did a they did a tour after that tour where there was all their solo music for the vip they played the song that tillian wrote uh with johnny called back to life and kurt played guitar and then kurt would jump in and sing a certain part of it and like i don't know that you just can't replace the authenticity and the special reality of that live experience it's just you just can't really put it into words to do it justice. It was just amazing.
0: Yeah, actually, I would say Johnny was. I know I said Tillian was the weakest link. So for that that version, I actually thought like Johnny did do something cool, but I'm not sure how well it actually fit. No, I. I mean, obviously, I think that version's amazing, and I would I would literally kill Matt Barrett to see that live. <laughs> I'm
2: in danger. Well, like I think each
1: singer made the song their own when it was their time. Johnny just didn't sing Kurt's parts how Kurt wrote them like he made it more R&B-esque I guess if you had to put it into words until he did something different with it too when it was his turn like I just feel like they made the song even better than it is and I don't I didn't think that was possible
0: actually I would do a Kurt and Kurt on leads Kurt being Kurt and I would take Wells as Nick Newsham that would be that would be my uh, A team
1: hater. Sorry for the hiccup. You drinking drinking too much haterade in that cup there. <laughs> it says probably <laughs> beer, but uh, I think it's haterade.
2: <laughs> my take on that is at least the version I've heard. I think that it's just the uh, the recording quality of the three of them singing together. It wasn't recorded with the same level of quality that this live stream was recorded. So it's hard mm. to really compare the two. I definitely think they killed it this time. Uh, if I had to take a guess, i 'd probably say with the same quality level, the three of them would probably be a little bit better.
0: What about the four of them? The four of them? Yeah, what about Wells? Well,
2: if they did the four of them, then it would be that would be outstanding. They wouldn't need the four of them. Wells wouldn't have any vocal parts. Oh
1: wait, also for that ten year, they do an intro to the song live where it's yeah. the three vocalists just doing like vocal riffing before the song starts. It kind of sounds
2: like whale noises, but it's cool.
1: I will tell you that those sounds can cure cancer and coronavirus. (laughs) So I'm putting that on record.
2: (laughs) You've heard it here, people. The cure to coronavirus is Dance Gavin Dance.
0: I'm not surprised. Did everyone get a chance to listen to the instrumental album?
2: Yep, I listened to it before, then I re-listened to it again today.
0: Cool. Me too. Actually, I re-listened to... I would say this is kind of embarrassing, but I think this is par for the course for Dance Gavin Dance fans. I listened to the live set, I think, at least eight times. Yeah, I watched
2: it three, maybe four times. I can't remember.
0: I stopped watching the video after the second time because I don't need to see John Mass walking around with a T-Rex arm (laughs) holding his mic cable.
1: That's his stage presence. (laughs) It's called stage Stage presence. presence. Look it up. (laughs) He was Rex. Yo, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <He
0: dies.
2: laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to Rex, bro.
0: Yeah, he rex them.
2: He did get a new T Rex. He did. It's a shame that the rhino had to die for it, but. Wait, what? Brontosaurus Brinos- tracks. Relax.
0: Th- was it the rhino that died that he was riding while eating pico de gallo?
2: That's uh, what is it on um Bloodwolf, right? He says Bloodwolf. Yeah, Bloodwolf. He says rhino died, got a new T Rex. Oh, uh, fuck Gratitude Blood Gratitude from Battle Wounds.
0: Uh, this is, see, this is another reason why I don't like that song. Oh my god. He was riding the rhino, and then he killed it and swapped it out for a T-Rex. Like, why not have both? Because you can't.
2: Shane, you just don't like that song because there's that moment with like the 80s sounding drums. That's what you don't like.
1: And there's too many ooze and Oz, but he likes three wishes. But he likes three wishes. That's fine.
0: Actually, this is a good segment to the instrumental. We're gonna start with songs that were better on the instrumental version. Better? Yeah, songs that like you kind of enjoyed a little more on the instrumental version. So my, uh, I guess I'll start. So Shane, what do you? What song did you like more? Well, other Shane, definitely the biggest one that. I actually predicted this. You're right. You did. So, three wishes was super sweet as an instrumental song. The vocals are just really distracting, and there's like a lot of weird, out there guitar parts that are just covered up by all the random lyric nonsense that's going on. By far, we've agreed that it's the weakest song lyrically. But I think once you remove the lyrics, there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on with the chorus and yeah.
2: I I, I agree with that. It was definitely. Uh... The Most Improved. It gets the award for Most Improved on the instrumental version. My only, my only comment is, and I know this would technically violate it being an instrumental version, but they should have left in multiple stab wounds, yeah, multiple stab wounds. Just for Rob. Just for Rob.
0: <laughs> so Rob, what did you think of the instrumentals of Three Wishes?
1: I thought it was trash. Honestly, sitting there like waiting for the song to sweep me or like me to hear something cool and I was just kind of bored. It's not it's not my least favorite ironically of the instrumentals, but uh, so it
0: did move up in your books
1: Somehow but uh it it just shows that the other
2: song that I'm referencing how much the vocals added to it So what what's the other song? uh, What song do you think was was worse instrumental?
0: Well, Matt Matt get back in line. That's my (laughs) job to ask that question (laughs) (laughs) There's a flag on the field (laughs) I feel violated. <laughs> I'm only good at one thing. Um,
1: I'm gonna shoot this so, free throw, and uh, I'm gonna say I'll that. I block your
0: three-point shot. I get caught napping a lot.
1: <laughs> um, prisoner. Uh, it's it's probably the most boring dance Gavin dance instrumental of all time.
0: Except for anything on artificial selection, I would agree with you.
1: Invalid statement. But I think that prisoner is probably the worst instrument I've ever heard.
0: Whoa! Like the drums are fucking cool in that song. Okay. Yeah, there's
2: still some, there's still some cool stuff going on there. I, I can, I can agree that it, it might be the weakest instrumental on Afterburner. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's the worst instrumental I've ever heard. It's definitely. From, do you
0: mean just dance Gavin dance instrumentals their, or? Yeah.
1: No. Why would I talk about any other band? Does it make sense? I'm hmm. saying in terms of like. I've I listened to every instrumental album they have, and I've always been like, holy shit, wow, I'd never heard that before. And then when I heard Prisoner, I was like, wow, it got worse. Not that I think it's a bad song, I'm just saying I didn't think an instrumental could make a song worse. And for that song, it
0: did. I, I mean, I'll agree with you there. Tilly and a Mess did a fantastic job. But also, you gotta think that they left some. They did this for artificial selection. They left like a lot of space for the vocalists to do what they wanted. And a I think here, really, it really, it really paid off. Yes. Yeah
1: it it paid off as the full song yeah
0: yeah like i loved the like the live version i thought it was killer i thought they did better on that than the the actual track itself bold bold statement bold statement you don't think it was as good live as it is on the album you said better I, I i'd say it was better but i also think live music is just by default better
1: eh debatable but we're all in agreement here somehow Amazing! This is a, this is a moment, a moment of silence for this, this special moment, the three of us are in sync. Must we be- We did it guys. <laughs> our our period, we must be on the same menstrual cycle, this is good. This is, this is really oh, good. Oh, we're work. syncing up, we're all episode syn- four. We're all synced <laughs> up. Yeah, so like, you know, I, I, I've I always had like a mixed love for Prisoner. There's nothing inherently I I don't like about it, I guess, but something about it, I don't know, it's always been weird with me, but the instrumental. I think it's was weak, so that's what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> so, Matt, what was the song that you thought improved by uh, instrumentals, or one that you particularly liked?
2: <laughs> I really enjoyed "Parody Catharsis" instrumental, and I'll tell you what.
0: Whoa!
2: I'll tell you what it was. I, this wasn't actually my original opinion when I had listened to it the first time. This was after listening to it today. But when I was listening to it again, like I got through the whole thing, it was awesome. And it only hit me that I'd been listening to the instrumental version, like, after the fact. I just felt like I was jamming to the, the song itself. You, that's, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just a really cool way that it just sounded so perfect, and I could, like, kind of picture in my head how all the vocals fit in, but then still hear all the parts going on behind it without the vocals in the way. So it was a pretty cool, you know, just listening experience. I didn't notice that the first time. This time around, I definitely, I definitely picked up on it. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting, it was the only one that was like that too. The rest, the rest kind of, I don't know, I felt like they're, with instrumentals a lot of times I feel like they're missing something with the vocals, only because that is part of the song and I've heard the song with the vocals so many times.
0: And this one hit a little harder without the vocals. Yeah. For yeah. you.
2: And I, I can't really place a reason why, it, like I said, I, I think it was because I could still place the vocals with my head, like in my mind. But I mean, I can do it with all of them, but this particular one it just hit, you know,
0: particularly well. So Matt, actually, this is fun. I finally get to disagree with Matt. I actually thought parody catharsis didn't pop as much, which I'm Same. not saying that's like necessarily a bad thing because it just like backed up my my original point that everyone fucking killed it on the song, and without mess and Tillian, for me, it just like didn't pop as much. But the other thing that i'll give credit to the the lyric version of the song is that it's like so well mixed that when i heard the instrumental version of parody catharsis i didn't feel that i heard anything new i felt i could hear everyone perfectly clear on the regular version so i was expecting those those guitar riffs that were like subtle i guess they're not subtle but they weren't in the the foreground yeah Yeah, and the instrumental version, they kind of stayed there. It just shows how good the song was actually produced and mixed and recorded. I I mean, it's my favorite song, so I feel weird saying negative shit about it. And
2: maybe maybe that was what it was. Maybe I just was picking up on just how well produced it was, and the fact that there wasn't anything hidden, really, on the original track. Maybe that's why I, I noticed it this time around, that it just really great production value on that track
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record saying that I agree with Shane
2: here on his point
1: about the song being. this just makes me
0: mad (laughs) I, I apparently had a bad take
1: the the song having like with vocals the only part that I heard better was the the part with the layering of John and Tillian when Tillian's doing like the high note in the background and John's doing like the the chorus part. The guitars and that part, I couldn't hear as clear before, but then with the instrumental I could, I could hear. But overall, I agree with what you said, Shane, where the song didn't change much for me because I, I feel like I could hear everything so clearly the whole time with the vocals,
0: so. Yeah, for me, my biggest songs that grow me without lyrics were... I mean, obviously, you have, like, Lyrics Lie, you. High, Night Sway. All the, like, heavily technical songs were, like, as good as I thought they would be. Like, they were really great. But I think my biggest surprise was Three Wishes. Oh, yeah, I already, I already talked about. And my other, my other favorite grower was Parallel. Like, Rob, your lasers were fucking amazing. really the laser parts were awesome and the other thing i thought that was weird is minus the ending when they clearly try to go heavy without the lyrics it's kind of a very chill mellow song without especially without john's like rambo mixed with rodney the whole song just becomes like kind of gives me some chill beachy vibes but (laughs) when you hear it with the lyrics it's it's a totally different song which i love i it's one of my favorites on the album but yeah parallels was definitely i'd say it was the biggest change for me without instrumentals and three wishes i definitely was my biggest uh i definitely like that more than the original like i actually love the instrumentals of three wishes where you guys know i'm pretty lukewarm to the album version Alright, so... Um, kind of in the same vein. Did you find any songs where vocals really held the song down? Like, without the vocals, the song's kind of meh.
1: Oh, you didn't but ask me with, what my favorite song was?
0: I started with you.
1: I didn't tell you my favorite.
0: You just went negative immediately.
1: No, because <laughs> you didn't You didn't start with me. You made a point about Three Wishes, and then you asked me a different question.
0: Oh, I asked you what your favorite... But, uh, Rob, give us... What do you, you have? You clearly have something to say. What do you want to say?
1: I mean, you guys mentioned parallels and lyrics. Lilos are up there for me instrumentally, but uh, I want to say that nothing shameful was really cool instrumental. I that intro riff, I just it's so fucking good. I was listening to it today, and I was like, wow, that's that's really fucking catchy. I think that obviously with the vocals, it's incredible, but there's just things I didn't quite hear the first time uh, with the vocals over it. And also the um the, like jazz guitar versus the the one where Tillian's like "I'm on code a codependency to you that part. um there's like this weird jazz rock guitar that sounds so something out of sonic, and it's just I heard it with the vocals with uh with the full song, but like the instrumental just shines so much brighter without it, and I love it.
0: I need to clarify, do you mean Sonic Youth or Sonic the Hedgehog
1: Sonic the Hedgehog Sega. Sega Dreamcast, okay. Jazz Rock, <laughs> you know, all that, all those uh, sounds from that era, I guess.
0: Matt, what was your favorite? Or do you have any comments about Rob's favorite? Um,
2: I have to... You're right, I, fuck I, well, Rob. Wait, wait, well, you asked no, him what to, his favorite was. Wait, it was Parody yeah, Catharsis. But my, my comments... So, so, as far as Nothing shameful goes, I've loved that intro riff from the first time I heard it. I really... Obviously,
0: like, Zach wrote it.
2: No, he didn't. Uh,
0: the intro riff, the parody Catharsis? No, no, nothing
2: shameful. Nothing shameful.
0: Oh my god, what a... Dude, guys, like when the podcast starts going on for too long, I start losing yeah. my fucking mind. So, I'm senile. Clearly. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: I, I, just, I just really like how it, it alternates between the, you know, the really fast part and then just like those quick stabs. You know, I, I think that's a really cool, cool vibe yeah. to it.
0: Would you say um, like multiple stab wounds?
2: Oh yeah, it is kind of like multiple stab wounds now that you mention it. <laughs> Except nothing like it.
0: Sorry, Matt. Continue.
2: No, I just wanted to reiterate that that is an amazing riff. I wouldn't. Say it's not the most complex riff that they've ever used, but it's definitely one of the most impactful. Uh, I think.
0: Yeah, I would actually say my favorite was Calentamiento Global. Did I get it right that time? That was pretty close yeah i'll I'll take it good enough we don't we don't need to have another fucking segment about me trying to pronounce it yeah i thought the leads were just without the vocals i thought the leads were like way more colorful and kind of like zach was saying that the leads were almost song lyrics to where when i heard instrumentals that really stuck in my head and i knew that was going to be a good one but i thought i would end up liking parody catharsis the best yeah global was my was my favorite
2: there was some cool like uh will swan laser noises on that one yeah i'm always a fan of some good will swan laser noises
0: is and like he said in that last interview he likes to trick people into hearing keyboards not just mm. not just guitars oh which actually reminded reminds me of something i thought it was really cool in summertime gladness where they were doing the um the horn section with the guitar pedal you mean the saxophone yeah, I don't know horns well enough to Jesus to judge. <laughs> well, I don't know what you heard, but uh, it's not a horn. <laughs> well, I don't be like I'd be like, oh well, that's that's definitely a tenor sax. Like I don't I don't know enough about sax- brass instruments.
2: Saxophone. We've been th- we've been through this before. Saxophone's not a brass instrument.
0: Oh, you're right. <laughs> Just like piano is a percussion instrument. It's like a stupid categorization. Like, I get it's based off how they work, but as far as sound-wise...
2: Wait, actually, wait, actually, wait, just side note, side note, I do have to clarify that I learned recently that the distinction on the saxophone is not because it has a reed. It has to do with whether it has buttons or valves. That's the difference between Brass and a woodwind.
0: Uh, 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 (laughs) I I forget which. which, Do you have any any input? That's mine.
2: One has buttons and one has valves. That's the distinction: is buttons versus valves.
0: It's it's even more arbitrary than I thought.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 worse than you think. (laughs)
0: Jesus. (laughs) Okay,
2: so anyway, continue. That was just a, a side note. Uh, wait, Shane, is the
1: question's just favorite song, right? Like, what's better instrumentally? Or hits a little harder instrumentally, right?
0: Well, that was the first question. And then the second question, in which I tried to deny you of, was uh, what was your favorite instrumental?
1: Oh, uh, okay. So we're not on, like, which song got better with vocals yet?
0: No, we already did that. Oh, no, we did the opposite. So, I'm not doing a great job. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So, um, you, were so talk- you were talking about... Cali Manta Global and I think that yeah. that song it was cool instrumentally like I wasn't 100% in love with it but uh, it was cool but I think the vocals really added yeah. another layer to it that made the song kind of like way better
2: I, I agree with I, I, I
1: agree with that
2: <laughs> yeah I was just, I, agree oh. with, I agree with Rob on that one as well that it, it's just missing something with without the vocals I'm not gonna say that it it got a lot worse without them but it it definitely feels like it's missing something. But I said before, I feel like a lot of these tracks without the vocals are missing something. I mean, they're written with the intent of putting vocals on them.
0: See, I didn't feel like it was missing anything. That's weird. I mean, I just feel like the vocals the vocals definitely give it something that like raises it up. But at the same time, I felt like the guitar leads and parts and the drums, the parts I could hear better, almost equalized it to the point. Of how I feel about the the full recording yeah
1: okay oh also um for we're talking about songs that felt like they're missing something hearing one in a million uh, instrumentally there were definitely parts of that song where I was like hmm uh, where are the vocals like it it just yeah it felt weird but also at the same time there are parts of that song that I was like huh I didn't hear that riff or like those there's specific parts of the song there there's like lower notes I couldn't hear with mm-hmm. the vocals so, and I thought that was interesting.
0: So actually at- so particularly at the end of the song and also you could hear like with one in a million there was there's was some like decent bass going on. Yeah. that I found yeah. entertaining so, which yeah. you can't hear at all. So
2: I I actually have a question for you guys on that track. Did you like on the on the instrumental where what were your thoughts on the part where it's you know like the, the the tag and it's just on the instrumental it's just the one instrument going
0: do do, do 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 do
2: do 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 where everything else drops off instead of the vocals there
0: i feel like they clearly were anticipating vocals to go there because if not it's it'd be super well also like if they decide not to do anything there it'd be super weird and corny
1: tillian tillian wrote to the instrumentals so he took that part and was
0: like okay well that's the melody that i'm gonna do yeah which i feel like so something I've been thinking about for a while is that why do vocalists sound better? Actually, other than Kurt Travis, why do vocalists sound better in Dance Gavin Dance opposed to their other bands? Like, don't get me wrong, I love Tillion and Tides of Man. Johnny's great in Emerosa. His solo stuff is pretty solid. I don't like his other work quite as much, but like his best work is clearly in DGD for me, and yeah. I think that has a lot to do with. Like, sometimes with these instrumentals that have been released, you can hear the vocalist borrowing or copying, there's, there's a specific term for that when the vocalist follows the, the melody. Yeah, like I feel like the vocalists benefit a lot from like Swan's catchy guitar parts that they they'll turn into like their vocal riff, where it's like really, it was originally, the catchiness was written as a guitar riff. Okay, can,
1: but can you honestly say that they've done that a lot? because I can't say that I've heard that a lot in the instrumentals.
0: So a lot of times they'll use the instruments as a launching point for their vocal melodies. Like it won't be it won't be like verbatim following the melody, but the elements of that riff are inside the vocal parts. That doesn't take away from their ability to write because not everyone can do that. Like particularly with Johnny Craig is that Johnny sounds A lot better when he's in Dance Gavin Dance, and I think it has a lot to do with the cues from the instrumentals.
1: Hmm. Well, I can't say I disagree or agree, because I don't really know. I haven't really paid too much attention to that specific point. But in terms of like a verbatim melody from guitar to vocal, I've heard that a lot in the past couple records, or a few times, maybe not a lot, but it's been apparent in certain songs that... Artificial Selection, there's a song.
2: Is it, is Hair Song right before Gospel, you Gospel oh,
1: Burnout. Oh God, you're right,
0: yeah. Gospel Burnout,
1: yeah. So, Gospel Burnout, if you listen to the instrumental, the instrumental has the vocal melody in it a few times, and like, it's verbatim. And I can say that I've heard it more often recently than I have in the back catalog.
0: Well, in the back catalog, they literally just didn't consider their vocalists at all. They would just write crazy shit. So I, and I,
1: I would say pre arse honestly because I think the first time they ever wrote music with vocals in mind was probably arse, like you can hear it on the instrumentals that's where the that's where yeah. the vocalist goes that's where the vocal melodies are like it's more obvious on that album than the others
0: It is more obvious you could hear Giant do a little bit in DBM2 definitely isn't as prominent on Acceptance Speech uh Mothership it's it's around a little bit but yeah definitely more prominent you're right definitely more prominent on the
2: wow he said he said i'm right guys (laughs) take notes today
0: yeah i'm editing the the shit out of that there's there's (laughs) a
2: lot of agreement there's a lot of agreeing going on in this uh in this podcast in this episode we have to change that
1: i think we all have coronavirus i think this we're actually ill
0: yeah we all that the neurotoxin of coronavirus (laughs) is really affecting our brains (laughs) I can't smell, taste, see, and I'm agreeing with Rob. Um, I need a doctor. Um, I think we're pretty close to being done. Does anyone have any other points they'd like to say about the, uh, the instrumentals? I'll just say
1: like, honestly, we talked about it kind of, but overall, I would say our majority of the songs are impressive with vocals. And I think without the vocals, they're still impressive. So I feel like there's not a lot to gain from the instrumental overall. I think that's what we've established in this conversation.
0: You just get the uh, the benefit of hearing like the depth in a song, and I feel like that's the whole point of the instrumentals is like little parts that you'd miss out on because of the vocals going over it. But I think I think the instrumentals were pretty strong. Yeah, Matt, anything to any points to wrap up?
2: No, I think I think we've covered a lot of it, really, with the questions that you asked. I think it really covered the highlights and the low points of the instrumental versions. I think we pretty much hit every point that we're going to hit for the instrumentals.
0: Cool. All right, so for once, I'm actually going to remember to do our sign-off together. Usually I have to, like, re-record it, like, 30 seconds before I put the episode up. For Rob?
2: Okay, I got you.
0: You can say okay, I got you, and for Matt.
1: Oh wait, are we actually doing this right now, or is this a test? Yeah, I'm. I'm Because so I lost, wasn't, just- I wasn't ready at all. I was not in character. <laughs> I, I had a whole Let's thing ready just- to go, and you just, you just cocked me, bro.
0: Yeah, well, that's why this is going to be the real ending. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, thanks for listening. That was a lot of fun. Robert. Later, tater. No, you're supposed to fucking say shake and bake, baby.
1: What the fuck? Matt said do something random. You say no, I like shake and bake, so I did something random.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 Matt's the fucking host? What's, what's going on here? No, he just
1: wanted to contradict oh. you. <laughs> I'm just disagreeing with you because you didn't get to disagree that much
0: today. <laughs> Alright, fuck it. We're done. Like and review us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We got some cool interviews coming up. And... uh Have a going. Shake and bake, baby. (laughs)